So we are in a uh, two-week series on vision here where we're talking about God's call in our church. And if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to tune in online uh, where you, on our website where you can, find more info, you can find the sermon because these sermons really go hand in hand. Uh, so it's important to check them both out. Now this, if you're brand new here, first, I am so glad you're here. It is awesome to get to worship Jesus here with you. And second, these aren't really normal services for us. Uh, usually we preach straight out of the Bible. Uh, this week it's based on the Bible, but it's very focused on our church and who we're called to be. So I want to invite you to join us next week as we, um, as we kind of return. Uh, next week we'll be going to a brand new series on the book of Job. If you've ever experienced hardship in your life where you just didn't know how you were going to make it through, Job is for you. Uh, we find a lot of hope in, in the story of Job and what God brought him through. In fact, the Bible reading plan is in your bulletin. I invite you to take that home with you and read right along with us so we can grow together in faith. Now, last weekend, in our first vision message, we, we rolled out the new logo We've got more t-shirts out there. We ran out of shirts last week. That's a good problem to have. Uh, so we've got more out there, still giving those away. Um, we talked about three words that describe us. Growing, family, and spirit-filled. I unpack all those in that message, so check that out. Uh, and we also gave you a sentence that I'll get to here in just a few minutes. We talked about our rich and rooted history here serving in Anderson Township, how God has used us in so many ways, from being a, a small chapel uh, down the road a ways for our first hundred years, to then um, moving to uh, right near where Arby's is at here today, uh, to the a power station. We were called the Powerhouse Church, and we reached families with kids and teenagers at a very large level. We were, we were on the move there. So much so that visionary folks in the congregation saw the need for a, a bigger facility. So they bought the land that we're sitting on right here today. They, uh, that first service in 1953, they literally marched down the street from Powerhouse and started right here. And, and we continued to grow. Uh, we grew four, four years later. We'd build this sanctuary. We'd keep on growing and building. We have an amazing history, amazing legacy of faithfulness, and I thank God for that. We talked about how there were times, uh, early 2000s, we had some struggles. We recalibrated uh, to reach uh, families, and, and, and God grew us in many great ways, and God's been moving ever since, ever since the beginning of our 200-year history. So this year, I'm sorry, this week, I want to address the question, what do we do? Last week, we talked about who we are. And when we talk about what we do, uh, this is not like a, a five-year plan with 25 action steps for you, okay? Uh, when it comes to vision, I'm someone who believes that God speaks through us as the body. In fact, I'm going to show you in a little bit how this vision came about. And so I believe it's, it's my responsibility to listen to you, to listen to the Lord, um, to discern together, um, to set direction for us, and then we move forward together. This is something that we continually build together. So today it's kind of laying out initial steps that we take, that we believe that God is calling us to. As I think of, of Anderson Hills in this season, uh, one image that came to mind is that of a, a tree trunk. You know, when uh, a tree every year adds an annual ring inside of its trunk. And those rings tell the history of the tree. 
and you'll see there's the, a lot of the rings tend to look a lot the same, but some of them are, are particularly large. And the reason for this is because those were years uh, where maybe there was a longer growing season or some extended rain or something like that, and, and, the, and the tree grew more than it typically did. And I believe the next couple years are years that as we look back in our history that will say those were big ring kind of years where we made changes, we, we did work that set us up for growth and for even more new life in our church. I believe that these are significant years, maybe even more so than, than normal, that God is doing great things. You know, I've been privileged to be one of your pastors for the past three years, and I'm so thankful for that. When I started here, um, Pastor Mark Rowland, my predecessor, he and I got to go around and we got to meet with, with lots of life groups and prayer groups and, and, and uh, other groups within the church. And I got to ask you a lot of questions and, and survey the congregation. And I learned so much. In fact, I learned things that are really the foundation for what we've been doing and what we are doing now. Now, when I collected this, I, didn't, uh, I shared it with the council, but I didn't share it as much with the whole church because it wasn't really time. Um, but I just thought you'd find this interesting. Uh, let me just share with you a few of the questions I asked. The first one is, what would you not do in your first six months if you were me? What would you avoid doing? Like, where's the bear traps, right? Don't step in them. And you gave me, actually, your answers were really interesting because they were kind of all across the board on this one. I think this one threw you for a loop more than others. But the first thing you said was, do not make major changes too soon. That's great advice, right? When you come into a healthy church, the last thing you want to do is to turn that thing upside down. That's not wise at all. The second thing you said was interesting. You said, do not avoid making major changes. <laughs> so what do you mean? <laughs> no, seriously, these actually make complete sense next to each other when you think about it. Because you don't want to come in, you're basically saying, hey, please don't come in and just try to make change for change's sake. Don't come in and show that you know how to do stuff and we'll do stuff as a result. That's dumb. But don't think that we're a stagnant church. Don't think that we want you just to come in and just coast, just preach a sermon every Sunday and do it all again next year and, or next week, and then next year we'll have Christmas and Easter again and we'll just keep on going. There's so much more. Don't be afraid to make big changes. And then third, and these are all literal, I'm not making this up, number three thing you said was, don't wear sweater vests. <laughs> now, if you're new here, you're like, wow, that is oddly specific. Well, if you know my predecessor, Pastor Mark Rowland, he is actually like the president of the International Sweater Vest Club. He has a better collection than anyone I know, right? But what you were saying is, hey, you need to be yourself, okay? Be yourself. Don't try to be somebody that you're not. And there's one time I didn't heed that. I tried, but it just, it didn't really work out well for me. So you were right. No sweater vest for me. All right. Third question. What is it, uh, sorry, second question. What is it that you would do in the first six months? So you told me what not to do. What would you do? And the first thing, by far the number one, was build relationships and listen. Great advice. You need to listen, you need to learn and understand. Second thing, focus on children and teens. If you're here last week, that's really what we said in that sentence that we're going to read in just a little bit. That that was uh, beyond the immediate need, 
that was the most obvious need to our congregation, was that we need to do more and more of this. I hear you. Third, focus on vision and strategy before making major decisions. Kind of like the, the first one there that we talked about before. It's good advice. Next question, what excites you most about Anderson Hills? And the first thing you said was outreach and mission. In other words, we're a church that should be growing, should be reaching people, should be making a big impact in mission both here and around the world. That's what we do, and I love that. I love that that's the first thing that excites you about the church. It's not just about us, it's about those outside of the walls. That's a sign of a healthy church right there, that we understand it's not just about us. I'll, I'll talk more about that later on. Then you said uh, you're excited about new vision. Then you're excited about having a strong momentum to move forward. And this is really key, because see, sometimes when churches have strong momentum, they go into a phase that's like a, a cozy phase, right? Like, hey, we're doing good, we're fine, we got enough people around, we're paying the bills, let's not change anything and screw it up, okay? Let's just keep doing what we're doing. But that's not this church. No, when we have momentum, we want to move forward. For in fact, those are the best times to innovate. The best times to innovate are when you're from a place of strength, so many churches don't do that. What they do is they try to keep everything the same, and then they begin to decline. And then eventually they realize they're dying, and then they decide it's time to innovate. But it's, it's a Hail Mary at that point. Because we've lost so much, we don't have the strength to innovate that we once did. I believe this is important for us. And final, final question. What concerns you most about Anderson Hill's future? And the number one, which was larger than the others combined, was this. Reaching young, people are, reaching young people because we are an aging congregation. Now, this is not an insult at all. For one, every congregation is aging, right? Every year we all, well, tend to get about a year older, right? That happens. That's life. But how does a church adapt to that? Clearly we've been a place that's done that over time. Otherwise, we wouldn't still be here. But how do we do that better and better? And if you see, once again, it's kind of like before when I asked you, what would you do? And you said you'd reach families. You're seeing the continuity in all of this. The second concern, the, the next two are really time-sensitive. The second concern was recovery from a COVID attendance drop. Thanks be to God, that was, that was three years ago. We're, we're moving forward in a lot of ways. It's still relevant to us, of course. Um, and of course, online will always be important to us. Um, but but how do we recover from that? And then the third thing was problems with our denomination, which at the time was United Methodist Church. If you were here last year, you know we focused on that in a big way. We ended up disaffiliating from that, and we're now an independent church, part of the Foundry Network, still with very strong Methodist roots. That's who we are. That's who we'll always be. Um, but we made that change. So really, we've, when you look at that list, two out of three we've either have addressed or continually address. And, and the first one is one we always will be addressing, but I believe it's time to escalate that, to, to raise that up. It's such a good and important thing. And that led to the sentence that I shared with you last week. Let's read it aloud together. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be a rooted community church who excels in reaching families with children and teens. That's who we're called to be. 
And I said to you last week very, very clearly, this does not mean that the only people who matter to us are young families. That, that, that is not the case at all. This is all of us together saying, who do we need to focus on? What do we want to put as the central part of our vision and mission? Every one of you is important, whether you're a child or teenager, or whether uh, you don't know a single child or teenager out there, and all your friends are 85 plus. You matter so much in this. You do. I can't state that enough. This is something that's essential for all of us. I shared with you a psalm that's the basis for this thinking. Psalm 145. Let's read this one aloud together. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. Amen. That's what we're here for. Every generation is here to teach our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, because kids need Jesus. told you last week that most people who become followers of Jesus, 80% of them, do so before they reach the age of 18. So we can never, never underemphasize that generation because it's only a few years where you're in that age group. And we are surrounded with families with kids and teens. And we've got to make that such a central focus for us. So what's new or different? You might say, okay, but we've always had a children's ministry. You know this, right, John? What's, what, what are you even, what are you talking about? And we talked about how we can do this with more excellence. For example, I gave you an example uh, last week, I have a silly one, uh, about our playground, right? I remember I pointed out that our playground is almost always locked, and there's five signs on it that say that kids aren't welcome to play there. So that's not where we want to be if we're going to reach families with kids and teens. Well, our staff and our volunteers are awesome. By Tuesday, they had the locks gone and all the signs. I should have asked for more, right? I mean, man, they're on it. But, but that's just one thing, but it's an excellent example of how when we change our focus, we're going to see more things that, yeah, we could do that one a little better, or maybe we could do that a lot better, or maybe here's a thing that we could add new or, or, uh, or adjust. We'll find those things. I want to just lay out four things, though, today, four areas where I believe God's calling us to step up as we look at what we do to, to move forward. This is not exhaustive, but, but it gets us a good start. Number one, we need to step it up in prayer. We'll introduce in the future a prayer initiative specifically for families with, with kids and teens that we would be more effective in reaching them and growing them and in, in helping our church in this way and in reaching the community in this way. Now, you might say, okay, yeah, prayer, I get it. Church is always, no, no, no. Anderson Hills is a praying church. We don't just pray as an accessory or a side note or a thing, oh, yeah, we knew we should do that. No, no, no. We believe so much in the power of prayer. We, we believe that prayer should always be our first response, not our last resort. We don't wait until everything's on fire to pray. No, we pray because we believe that the fire comes from God. The power comes from God. It's all about the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where the sentence says, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not by our own strength, not by our own striving, not by my ideas or encouragement. No, no, no. We do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are watching from home today, and and you are not able to physically get here anymore. It's not possible for you. And you may be thinking, there's, 
there's not much I can do here anymore. All I can do is pray. Well, friend, that is the best thing any of us could do. It's not just all I could do. It is the number one thing we can and must do. That is not insignificant in any way, shape, or form. And if that is the biggest thing God calls you into in this, thanks be to God. Because when we, I, I know this church is where it is because we have so many great prayer warriors who continually lift this place up, who lift me up, lift our staff up, lift all these things, our ministries, and God is changing lives because God hears the prayers of his people and he answers. That's it. There's nothing more, there's nothing greater than that. So it's never all that I can do. It is the central thing. Number two, we're going to step up the welcome. We do this pretty well already, but one of the things that in COVID was, you know, we lost some greeters and we, we, we need more greeters. And also, I think it's always good for us to be reminded that all of us are part of the welcoming team here at Anderson Hills. I don't know if you've ever gone into a place where a bunch of people seem to know each other and like each other and they're all kind of talking to each other and you're standing there like, all right, they all like each other. They don't even notice me though. That's hard. That's awkward. And I'm not saying we're there, but it's easy to have that feeling in a church like this where we're connected and we love each other. And we're in groups and all this stuff. So today we're just going to get real tangible on this one, right? This morning I'm going to train all of you as greeters, okay? So I hope you came prepared to learn, right? Maybe take some notes or whatever, right? It's take about two minutes here because greeting is all of our responsibility in one way or another. We made a little video to help you learn. Let's look at this together. I'm so thankful for all of our greeters at Anderson Hills. You do an amazing job of welcoming people to this church. Your job is so important because you are the first people that folks see when they walk in the door and help them feel welcome here. So we put together a little video to help us be uh, maybe even a little better at greeting people. In fact, even to avoid some mistakes in greeting. Hey, how long are you? Four yards. A rushing touchdown, passing touchdown. Oh, man. I'm favored by 10 points. Right, right. right. Super Bowl. Right, right. Super Bowl. Good morning. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. welcome hey. to Anderson Hills. Are you new here? I'm the pastor. Morning, y'all. Morning. Are you from the South? Welcome to Anderson Hills. <laughs> Who are you? Are you new here? I've never seen you before. There are so many new guests at Anderson Hills, it's hard to tell who's new every week. Here's a better way of doing it. Good morning, welcome to Anderson Hills. Morning, morning, morning. Good morning, I don't think I've met you. My name's Amy. Short, simple, and to the point. That's all it takes. Just welcome them and introduce yourself. God can use you to help someone feel so welcome here at Anderson Hills. In fact, if you would like to sign up to be one of our greeters, just email greeter at andersonhills.org or see one of our staff members. We would love to get you connected. Thanks for all you do to welcome people here at Anderson Hills.
trained. You, you're trained. You know what you're doing, all right? But seriously, this is all of our job. Now, I do encourage you to uh, check out, uh, to, or sorry, to email that, and you could get signed up to be a greeter. It is simple, uh, but so important. It's really a sacred task. Uh, it's been said for years, but there's been studies where they find that most people make their decisions about a church long before time where the pastor gets up and preaches a sermon. It's all about how they're welcomed when they come in. Do, does this feel like a place where people are kind and caring? Do they reach out and welcome me or not? So that's essential for all of us. Uh, also, we'll, we'll look at some programs. Uh, maybe Pastor Jonathan's looking at some ways we might be able to um, welcome people as they're newer. Um, joining a life group is a great step. It's kind of a big step. Maybe some earlier steps to help them make friends and get connected here at Anderson Hills. So just a number of things like that. We're going to step up our welcome. Number three, we're going to step up in our discipleship. Uh, we do this well in many ways, but how can we always be focusing on reaching that next generation through our classes and through our, our groups and all this? That, um, we want to focus on that as well. And, and number four, how can we step up the facility? We are blessed with an amazing facility here, aren't we? Folks have been faithful for generations to build this incredible building, and I love it. I'm so thankful for it. I'm also thankful for the way that we care for it. Our facilities and property team, I get to meet with them every month, and let me tell you, hands down, these guys are, these folks are the best I've ever gotten to work with. They are so diligent. They are on it. Um, they try to fix everything before it breaks. Unless it's an elevator that gets struck by lightning, that's a different topic. But they are on it. They are faithful. They work hard, and I appreciate them. We have a well-cared-for facility. We also, though, you always have to be um, looking for, to how do you, you know, how, how do you freshen it up to keep it relevant to families with kids and teens? Uh, because, you know, people's tastes change. And uh, the fact is, our children's wing, it's been uh, over 15 years since we've done a significant kind of remodel there. And it's time. It's time. Uh, it's time to refresh that. Um, also, I think as we look around the facility, we can find things that, that are ready for a refresh, uh, to, uh, whether it's some new paint, some new look. Um, I'm not talking about like knocking walls down, all that kind of stuff everywhere, but how can we, how can we refresh it? This room actually is a great example. This room is a model of how, how we did that well in the past. We have taken good care of it. We remodeled it a number of years ago, and we don't need to do anything in here because it is beautiful and well done. And I think we need to look throughout the rest of the facility with that same kind of mind, except saying, how can we make this look, how can we make this as relevant as possible for kids with, or sorry, with families with kids and teens? Um, I told you at the annual business meeting that we hired a, a designer who did our logo and worked with us on that. And we've asked them um, to also look at the facility and recommend to us some things that we could do to improve through that lens the lens of how do we reach families with kids and teens. And uh, so that work is beginning. Uh, there's, there's a ways to go. Um, one of the things I've asked them to think about is, what about the front of the building? It's beautiful. It's amazing. But it doesn't really say that this is a place for your family. It says this is a traditional church, but not so much, say, children's ministry, teens ministry, or, um, or perhaps modern worship. So how do we make it um, just do a better job of accentuating the traditional, 
but also accentuating uh, more the fullness of who we are. And so we'll begin to think about all of that. Now, uh, fear not, we're not talking about going into debt. We don't have a mortgage. We're not going to take on a mortgage. We, we don't need to do that. In fact, we can give so much more money away because we don't have a mortgage. Thanks be to God. Second, like I said earlier, this room, this area, this is outstanding. We're not looking to make changes here. But as we focus on our kids' area and some other areas and perhaps the front, what can we do to, to better communicate who we are? We're blessed with the best frontage in Anderson Township. Like 40,000 people a day go past this place. How can we best communicate who we are? Uh, you know, we're blessed that our, in our attendance, we are um, in person, 65% um, in the worship center, 35% here, which is really strong on both sides. Churches that offer both, I don't know any that are 50-50, uh, you typically have one larger than the other, and it's oftentimes like 90-10. That's, that's not the case here, because we value both so very much. We have full-time excellent staff in both, uh, and, we, and they're both so essential to who we are. And we're going to continue that. That's really important. It's, you know, the, the reason the, the numbers have done that is because we, tend, we reach families in both services, but we tend to reach them more in a more modern service. That's not surprising. The second reason is, well, in this service, people go to heaven more often than they do there. Now, I'm not saying they go to hell, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying we've got a few more years of experience on them, right? And that's okay. That's not bad. That's, we, we are a key part of who this church is, has been, is, and will be. I said last year, last week, I'm stuck on years today. I said last week, and I'll say it again. If any of this sounds like me saying that we don't need older folks, <laughs> I'm missing the mark. That's not true at all. In fact, one of my favorite stories I learned from Anderson Hills is that um, we started our, our services, our modern services, back in uh, the early 2000s. And one of our people that many of you know, his name is Dick Beer. Uh, Dick led our trustees for a long time, was very, very, very involved in the leadership of this church and, and in um, making significant changes to the facility, all these things. And, and Dick said, when I think about this, I don't have to like contemporary music because I don't. I don't know if he's ever been to the other service. I don't know. He'd always come to 8.30. Today's health isn't as good, so he can't do that anymore. But he said, I don't have to, to like that music, but I know that I need to pray for it, and I need to pay for it, because I want my family, I want future generations to know Jesus. That's who we are, church. We're a church that has been successful over, that has been used by God successfully over generations because we know that it is our job, our job to reach out to that next generation. And that's a continual process that never ends because the world's always changing, kids are always changing, uh, the, the, and so we need to do this as we move forward. You know, as I think of, of churches, there are some, and this is not us, let me be clear, this is not us, but there are some where when they're successful to a certain degree, people tend to get cozy. And we kind of like things the way they are. And like, you know what, we don't want to change that. 
And the reason I shared those things with you in the beginning was I wanted you to see that's not us. It's never been us. And it's not going to be us. But sometimes people get cozy and comfortable in what we're doing, and, and we start to focus our ministries more on us. What do I like? What do I need? Let's just kind of do it my way, and things will be fine. It's kind of like, have you ever been on a cruise ship before? They're awesome, aren't they? I mean, they cook for you 24 hours a day, right? You can always go and get food. And if somebody makes a mess, it's cleaned up right away. And there's all sorts of fun and entertaining things, and that's great for a vacation. Wonderful. But that's not what a church is. See, on a cruise ship, if somebody dumps something, you don't say, hey, where's a mop? I should help out. No, no, no. <laughs> you wait for staff to do it. And if you're hungry, you don't say, well, guess I better go cook something in the kitchen. Nope, somebody's going to do it for you. That's good. I want to talk to you, though, about a different kind of ship that is more relevant to a church is. Some of you have been on this kind of ship as well. And this is a battleship. On a battleship, nobody's asking, how can everybody else serve me? <laughs> no, you're, at, you're asking, what am I called to do? What am I called to do? Because you know that you are essential. That, that the mission that we're on doesn't happen successfully unless all of us together are united and working on this. So my job on the battleship may be real little, but it's essential to the function of that ship. And if I don't do it well, there could be a bad set of dominoes that fall, right? So I'm all in for my job, whatever it is. And I trust that God's going to use me as I work. And I trust that God's going to use all of us, that we're going, to, we're going to win the battle, and ultimately we're going to win the war. And you know, as we look at our world today, our kids and teens are certainly under attack by the enemy. We can read the stats, we can read about uh, folks who, how many fewer go to church, how many fewer are following Jesus. We can read all that, and we can sit around and be sad and depressed and say, well, this is just how people are now. No thanks. I'm not interested in that at all. We're, God has called us. God has equipped us right here in this community to do something about it. Yeah, we got thousands of kids and teens not in church today, and I just want to be better at reaching them. I just want to be more and more faithful at doing so. I want to see that grow. I want to see us become more effective. And so we're going to do everything we can to, that, that God would use us to reach folks. Because that's why he's put us here. We are a battleship moving forward by the power of Jesus Christ. And you are so important in that mission. You are so important in that work. Because all of us together, God can use to do this. Let's read that psalm one more time. Psalm 145. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. God, let it be so of us. Let us be that generation, just as our generations here before have done, that we proclaim your mighty acts to our kids. God, would you get things out of the way that could be obstacles? Would you bring in new things that will help us to be better and better at this? Would you help us to grow and to succeed by your power, not our own, by your strength, not our own, by your faithfulness, God? We trust you. Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us as we go forward to, to find our role in this, God, to be faithful in doing this. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.